Good morning, everyone. So good to see you all December 10th. It's a good day to be alive. Amen. Man, I'm so thankful that I get to know Jesus in these last days. Uh, anybody thankful to live in these last days? And the rest of you will get there, right? We're, we're, uh, I'm, I'm telling you, it is exciting days to live in these days, but not just to live, to know Jesus. It is crucial to know him in these last days. And I'm, I'm just thrilled with what the Lord is doing in and through us as a church family. So I want to encourage you. I mean, again, those that are, if this is your first time here, if you've been here a couple times checking it out, listen, welcome to the family. We're thrilled that you're here because what does God do? God takes the lonely and he puts them in family. So this is a place where you can put down your roots. You can let out your hair and just go, ah. I belong here, and you absolutely do. And not just from a natural perspective, and that's all wonderful and dandy, but also from a spiritual perspective. I, it, it's just so pleasing to me from a, from a pastoral's heart, from a pastor's perspective. Just what an amazing group of people we have in this house. I mean, can I just encourage, if you're on this side, could you just look over at the beautiful people on that side, and then vice versa. And then as you're going, scan your eyes down onto the ground, and look at these beautiful people in the middle. All around, it's just wonderful, God-loving people. Love Jesus. And then, here's a wonderful thing. Not just love Jesus, doesn't stop there. We actually like each other. So if you're like, well, I have to sit way far because I don't know anybody. Let me just encourage you, get as close and snugly as you want. Because it is a very tight bunch of group of people. Amen? All right. Well, this morning, we're going to continue to go into this because I know the Lord has taken us places. Anybody believe that? I mean, it's great that we can come to a church building, but listen, we're not here just to play church. We is the church, and we got a chief in command. His name is Jesus, and he's got things for us to do, things for us to experience, to encounter, and at the same time, things to carry out in our region because we're here to impact generations for Jesus. So we all got the same mission. We all got the same vision. We're here to reach people with the gospel. We're here to put our roots deep in what Jesus has done so that we're not just flaky bunch we can actually encounter and experience what grace has done and provided for us. And that's really what part of the vision is, is to really to be a distribution center of the word, to get the word out, to get the word out, to get the word out. I learned this as a youth pastor. I youth pastored for about nine years. And at that time, I didn't have any children. So when parents would come and bring kids and just go, man, parenting is easy. Just simple. Just do this, this, and that, and it's done. Well, now that I got four of my own, I kind of get you. But one other thing that I really realized is that what you win people with is what you win them to. So the emphasis every time we come gathered is not so much, okay, I want to make sure that, you know, I mean, we want to have good church coffee. Don't get me wrong. We got to have all those things. We got to have some of those, those nice things. Those are nice wall breaker downers. But really what we want to win people with is the presence of Jesus. Because I tell you, when you get a taste of Jesus, you can't go back. And it's not about all the lights, and I'm thankful for all these things. But listen, we could have the most amazing service without all these things. But thankfully, we can have both the best worlds. So that's what we're interested in doing. So can I just encourage you, if you just kind of walk in here and just, you know, kind of sit there and go, well, whatever, I'm just going to do my duty. You won't get a whole lot out of it unless you just come and say, Lord, I'm, I'm ready. I'm going to pull. I'm going to receive everything you've got for me. It's kind of like I, I got my spiritual antenna pinged, ready to go. Lord, I need wisdom today. I'm coming for direction. I'm coming for an encounter with you. The Lord never looks away from where faith is engaged. What does that mean? Lord, I position my heart. I want you. I want you. I want you. God will go where he's wanted. 
So can we just together as a, as a bowl of an auditorium and those that are watching online, we're so thankful that you're here as well. And let's hook up together in faith for what the Lord wants to do this morning. Can we do that? So Father, we again come to you in the name of Jesus. We are so thankful that the blood of Jesus has purchased us. It has taken us out of the kingdom of darkness and it has transferred us into the kingdom of your son, Jesus. So we are in this kingdom with the full rights as citizens of heaven. And Lord, right now, we also thank you and notice that the Holy Spirit, the teacher of the church, the educator, the strengthener, the standby, the advocate, the one who shows us things to come is living strong on the inside of us. So Lord, right now, this morning, we ask ask you, Holy Spirit, to make Jesus so big to us today. Make him so real. Make him so evident. Make him so uh, revealed in such a way that we see him for who he is and not what religion tries to do. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that that is what you're here for. We rely heavily on you this morning, and we expect revelation knowledge. We expect freedom. We just demand that in the name of Jesus and any demonic, satanic force, we cast you out. You have no access in this family. You have no access in this room in the name of Jesus. Amen. <sighs> that was a mouthful. I can breathe now. All right, let's go. First slide here. I want you guys to throw this up because this is what we've been asking as a church family. And so for those of you that are maybe coming for the last week or this is your first time, this is what we've been asking the Lord. It's, Lord, what can you build in us so that you can work and operate through us effectively? And again, I mean, you know that God, once you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it does not stop there. And for many, they kind of just go, well, I got saved many years ago, and, or I just got saved a couple of weeks ago. My, my brother Austin is here. Good to see you, man. Brand new born-again believer. Front row. Come on, man. It's good to see you, bro. But it doesn't stop there. What takes place now is I'm learning to become a citizen of this heaven that I'm from now. Remember, you are not a physical being looking for a spiritual existence. You are a spiritual being temporarily sent here for a natural human existence. Because everything that you see here right now, all one day it's all going to be wrapped up and gone, and you won't be doing the same old 9 through 5 type of job. It's going to be completely different. So we have to recognize I am a spirit being. And determining on which family I'm a part of determines if I've accepted Jesus Christ or not. So if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says you've been reborn on the inside, a brand new creature that has never existed before. Now that's who you are on the inside and it comes directly from God. So now part of this we've been asking the Lord is, Lord, build in us the culture of heaven. Show us, because now that I've accepted, I've transferred out of the kingdom of darkness. Anybody what the, remember the kingdom of darkness? What that was like? And I mean, what was the culture of that darkness? Selfishness. Hate is what just drove that place, right? But you've been taken out of that, and now the culture that you are now a part of is love. And it doesn't just sound like a love or like the story, The Notebook. It, it goes beyond just natural human, I love you. It goes so much deeper to the fact that God reached me in darkness, brought me out in spite of what I've done. This is what the love of God is able to do. Take the hardest heart and turn it for his glory. It's amazing. Anybody ever encounter or see that before? Man, I remember just witnessing to a couple of guys. This was in Modesto, California, and I had the opportunity to lead a couple of guys to the Lord. I'm talking, these guys were huge massive guys. And I walked up to them and I just wanted to talk to them about Jesus. And in doing so, just to see their heart go, oh, 
Like, man, tattooed up, just massive. Looks like they could bench press me and eat me for breakfast at the same time. And what happens when the love of Jesus is there? It changes a heart just like that. So this is the love that you and I are talking about. So it's, of course, and what we've been taking time is to see how the Father has loved us. Because, again, God will never ask you to do something that he himself is not doing. So you and I are first to see what he does, and then we copy what we see. Just like your children see you, and then they copy you. Any kids ever, you make fun, or you kind of mimic your parents? Any of your children are mimicking you at the moment. How does that feel? Good or bad? It feels great. (laughs) But it's the highest form of flattery. But this is how the Father has created it. So God has not hidden himself from revealing who he is so we can actually see it. So then from this now culture of love, we now can operate in the lifestyle of heaven, experiencing what grace has done through faith. So when you get a grasp of the culture of how heaven operates, how heaven thinks, what motivates heaven, you now begin to participate in the lifestyle of heaven, which is this grace and faith conversation. I know if you kind of ever spend much time, you know, the church world is where I'm in, but a lot of times you have these, well, we're grace people, well, we're faith people. Why are you fighting? Because you need each other. Without the grace of God, faith's got nothing to latch onto. But without faith, you could talk about grace all day long and you'll never tap into what grace has provided. So this grace and faith is actually a conversation between the Father who started the conversation and faith is just simply a positive response to what grace has already said, to what grace has already accomplished for us. So it's a new language that you have to participate when you understand the culture, the lifestyle. There's a new way of talking. God doesn't talk defeat. He doesn't speak that way. God doesn't talk unbelief. God doesn't speak fear. He doesn't understand that language. What does God understand? He understands faith. And the language of faith is thanksgiving. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this. Grace, thank you for what you provided. Thank you, I receive. Thank you, I receive. I heard faith, or faith goes, I thank you, I receive. This becomes the beautiful cycle that we're now a part of. Does that make sense? Are we okay? Some of you will just look at me like, what is he talking about? Are we, we okay? And then thirdly then, it's now learning to go in the flow of heaven. You actually can live in the spirit. <laughs> Who'd have thought in 2023... I can actually still live in the spirit. That is absolutely the case. And that doesn't mean some kind of flaky, it means I obey and I live in what the word of God has to say. Because the word is spirit, right? So are we excited about that? <laughs> How about this side? Are we excited about that? We're okay. Okay, just making sure. So now let's go back into these things because again, we have to remember when you get an understanding of the covenant that God has agreed and made with us through Jesus, you start to feel the culture of what heaven's really like. So again, we have to recall in our mind, God is a covenant-making God. He's a covenant-thinking God, right? God is not a feeling type of God. God's not moved by needs. He is a covenant-making God. So as kids, we have to first and really get this ingrained on the inside of us. I am a covenant son or daughter. Come on, can you just shout that? I'm in covenant with God. Covenant. I'm in covenant with him. Woo. So he says some things, and regardless of how you and I may be thinking, he's still operating in the covenant. So this covenant, again, I want you to see if in John chapter 117, it reveals again the two covenants uh, 
that we see, of course, in, in our Bibles. And in John 1.17, it says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now again, the law was given. Again, it implies a bit of a sense of distance with it. And the law, talking about the Old Testament, really from Exodus chapter 20, God had made law with man, fallen man, to work with and to connect to. And we went last week into detail, so I'm not going to go into that. I really encourage you, if you want to hear that, we got podcasts, YouTube, Facebook, all of that is on there. But hear that again, because the law had a purpose. There was a reason why God did it. And so really, the end result was to reveal how nasty we were, but then to point us to Jesus, who was going to rescue us from this law. Now, this law, we are not, I am not a minister of the old covenant. Neither are you. You are not a minister of the old covenant. You are here to minister the new. Because the old covenant, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I don't have that on the screen, but if you read that chapter, 2 Corinthians 3, it actually talks about the law being a ministry of death. Come on now. What? Also, it says that there was also the ministry that brings condemnation. So if you're constantly hearing the Ten Commandments and you don't measure up, you're bad, you are a sinner, you are no good, it's actually not ministering life to you. It is ministering condemnation and shame and guilt. That's what that law was about. And again, is the law bad? No, it's pure and it's holy. But again, the point of all of it was to realize I need a Savior. Anybody ever come to that realization? I'm sure you're in this room. At some point in your life, you went, I need help. And the only way help was not just a self-help book, but it was Jesus who took me out of this self-propelling damnation that I was going in, which is the law. Now, on contrast, I want you to see the good news is Jesus came. Can we shout that out this morning? Jesus came. Thank God Jesus came. This is why we celebrate what we celebrate. Right? So I want you to see in Matthew chapter 5, and again, Jesus says this, don't misunderstand why I have come. Now in that time, and even a lot of people today, have a misunderstanding as to why Jesus came. I was just a prophet. Uh, he came to make us feel good. He came just so that we could manage sin. No, let Jesus do the talking as to why he came. Right? Why did he come? I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Because Jesus wasn't saying, well, the Father, you know, you know, Dad sometimes messes it up, so I have to come and fix it. Because some people really have Jesus is nice, the Father not so nice, and you just don't want to tick him off. That's not who the Father is. Jesus is the perfect, uh, when you see him, Jesus said, when you see me, you see him. So it's not that this, the father is just kind of angry and he's got to hit somebody when they do wrong. No, Jesus said, I haven't come to abolish it because God messed it up the first round. He said, I came to fulfill what was written in it because you couldn't do it. Christianity is not difficult to do. It's impossible if you try doing it on your own. <laughs> Anybody try doing this Christian life on their own? You think you're doing a good job only to find out, I am not, I'm not making the cut here. This is rough. This is tough. It's because you're not supposed to. We are to be dependent spirits, not self-dependent. Just making sure this, check, check, one, two. Yeah, we're good? Okay, Jesus goes on to say in verse 18, he says, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So did he accomplish? Did he accomplish the work? 
Well, you see that in John 19, Jesus hung on the cross. And what did he say? It is finished. The Greek word for some of those, remember about a year ago we talked about this? Taleo! He shouted on that cross, man. I'm so thankful. And it says that the, the curtains are ripped from top to bottom. The, the heavens were torn open. God has left the building. It is finished. The law has been accomplished. Thank you, Jesus. Now, God is no longer constrained to a box. He says, now I'm coming to live on the each side of every one of my children. Woo! This is good news, church. That's for you and I. Aren't you thankful that you don't have to try to figure how to do life on your own? I got him right on the inside. When I don't know what to do, I don't have to go, Lord, I just, I'm bombarding the gates of heaven. You don't need to. He's right here. <laughs> you don't have to go higher than three inches. Lord, help me. Right there. Anyways. <laughs> so again, as we came, we celebrate that Jesus came. Or another way of saying it, grace came. The law was given to Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, you also see how this new covenant or this ministry that we are not a part of, the ministry of this new covenant, <clears throat> listen to what it says. It says, this, this grace covenant declares believers to be free from guilt, and it will continually point to the finished work of Jesus. This is what this new covenant does. The new covenant wakes you and I up to the fact that you are in Christ. That's what the new covenant is all about. So the old covenant, what's, what's the purpose of that? It's to show you how wrong you didn't match up, you didn't equal up. But in the new covenant, uh, the apostle Paul says, awaken unto righteousness and sin not. So the emphasis has changed, whereas the law, people are constantly focusing on, don't sin, i got to stop messing up. Okay, I, Lord, I promise I'll never do it again this time. I promise, I promise, this time I really need it. Only to go about a weekend and you fall again. So what is the new covenant, what's the new ministry? It'll constantly remind you of who you are in Christ Jesus. It reminds you of the finished works of Jesus because when you see what he's done, when you see the finished works, you go, that's who I am in. That's who I identify with. That's my king right over there. And that's who I look to. So it is a very difference of who you're, who you're focusing on. The old covenant, the focus is on me and my lack or I did really good. I, God answered my prayer. You know, I prayed about five hours this past week. So, you know, God hooked me up with a little blessing stupid thinking. It's all caught up in me, me. And the danger with that, it's, again, it's become self-righteousness and God will not share his glory with another. Okay? But this new covenant, the Apostle Paul says, wake up to righteousness and sin not. And we're going to get into this, I believe, talking probably in the new year, but talking about identity because when you find these words in Christ, in him, in the beloved, anybody ever read some of those before? That those are signature scriptures of the new covenant. You know, anytime you want to write a check or something, it needs your signature. Well, the gospel signature is in him. When you find it in him, listen, there is just as much power when you talk about being in him as, the where, as there was in the real reality when Jesus actually spanked the devil. When you start declaring in him, I am the righteousness of God. When you start saying these words, it brings the devil back to the defeat that he encountered 2,000 years ago. So the church, these words in him needs to become our language, needs to become our signature, because you are a child of the Most High God. 
All right, thank you for your enthusiasm. All right, now, as we said, this new covenant, the focus of it is in Romans chapter 5, 18 and 19. Let these words ring in you. Let these things get on deep on the inside. of you. He says, here it is in a nutshell. As one person did it wrong and got us into all this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he goes on to say, he got us into life. Can you guys hit the click button for me so I can see? One man said no to God and put many people in the wrong. One man said yes to God and put many people in the right. So if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, where are you? In the bad side, on God's bad side, or are you put on the right side? Notice what he says. You were put in the right. Come on, yell out, put. I was put there. I was made there. I didn't earn my way to get to that position. I didn't pray long and hard to get to that position. You and I, by simply our acceptance about what Jesus has done, you were placed there. The old covenant is all about trying to get to that place. Listen, you accept, you accepted Jesus Christ. You are here. You can't get out. This is your spot. You, you got it because Jesus got it for you. So now this is the new covenant that you and I have to get our minds renewed to is that in the new covenant, God looks and he deals with you according to grace. Period. That's how he's looking. That's how he's talking. That's how he's thinking. That's how he's working with his children is through grace. Oh man, this is good news. And again, let me just wind up back up here a little bit. I got a little bit ahead of myself. But again, why is it so important for us as the family of God, as his children, to get our belief system lined up with this new covenant, with what grace has purchased. Now again, John 1.17, the law was given to Moses, and grace, y'all, it's on the screen now, I can see it popped up. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Another way you could look at it, this is this way, out of Jesus comes grace, and out of grace comes truth. And this truth will set men free. So what Jesus is actually saying is, you need to know me. You need to know me, not just an idea about me. You need to know who I am, because when you understand who I am, you get a good handle on grace. And when you got a good handle on grace, you start your mind is starting to be renewed to the truth of God's word. So grace isn't just some kind of doctrine that you talk about once in a while. It's truth. It is the truth of God. If God would say, well, I need you to talk truth. Where do I go? I can just uh, go to the Bible. Yes, but what exactly am I going to the Bible? What scripture do I have to find that's truth? Well, it's all truth, but the gospel of grace is truth. This is how God speaks. This is how he acts. This is how he talks. So if I keep talking about my inability, my lack of you know, experience, I'm not able to get enough from God. If I keep talking about how much I'm failing in life, I am missing truth. You may be talking, yeah, of course, that may be the, the fact of where I'm going through. But truth will always say, in him, I am complete. Oh, I'm just so incomplete. I, there's nothing I can do. 
That's not truth. That's talking old covenant. I'm trying to earn and trying to get somewhere. Remember, in him is the signature of the gospel. In him is the truth. And look at this in John chapter 8, before I just kind of go down this big rabbit trail. But John chapter 8, we know these verses very familiar to us, but verses 31 and 32, Jesus talking to the disciples that believed on him, he said this, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Verse 32, And you will know the truth, and the truth will what? It will set you free. As some translations say, the truth will make you free. We're spending so much time from this old covenant mindset trying to get free. If I could just get free from lust, if I could just get free from, you name it, alcohol, if I could just get free from pornography, if I could just get free from drugs, if I could just get free from lying, oh Lord, I'll do my best, I'll do my best. Stop. You need to start seeing yourself, I'm here, I'm in Christ Jesus, this is who I am, this is what he purchased for me, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Wake up to right standing with God and sin not. I don't even want that anymore. Why? Because I found out who I am. The reason you keep dabbling some of the same stuff you're dabbling in is because you're operating from this mindset. I have to get to that place. No, you don't. You already got it in Christ Jesus. Not on your own, not by your own efforts. You're here because of Jesus. And this truth of understanding what the grace of God has done on your and my behalf makes you free. That tells me where sin abounds, grace does much more. Satan thinks he's got you locked on this box until you start talking the truth of what the grace of God has done in your life. Boom, you said over here, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. This is what we're talking about. This is the difference between the new covenant and the old covenant. And this is where God is dealing with his children. If you still want to dabble around in this, it's not that God's not answering you. It's not that God's quiet on you. You're in the wrong covenant. He's talking in Christ now. Why? Because he doesn't look at you and you're acting. You go, man, you're a real piece of work. He looks at you through the eyes and the lens of Jesus because he's in covenant with that man. Covenant-minded. Church, we got to get covenant-minded. You're already blessed in him. Well, my bank account doesn't say it. He's not talking and asking about your bank account. He's asking about the reality of what grace has done for you. You're blessed. So you can look at the bank and say, I'm blessed. The teller will look, oh, that doesn't really look right. I'm blessed. They'll think you're nuts. No, that's the truth. And that truth will set you free from the grip of what poverty may try to be doing in your life. I'm free. Come on, shout it out. I'm free. I really don't feel like it. It has nothing to do with feelings. All right. So again, freedom from what? This truth will make you free. Freedom from what? What is keeping men and women, the children of God, in bondage? The law. The law keeps people bound in their actions. It keeps people bound in their behavior modification. It keeps people bound in trying to be good enough for God to bless Listen, God's already poured out his blessing. We're going to get into that. Not because of you, but because of what Jesus has done. So the emphasis of this New Testament is no longer you. Ah, oh, thank God. Stop making this Christian life about you. 
when you get it onto Jesus and start cooperating now with the grace of God, watch God move in your behalf. See, religion complicates it. Religion loves to put you in the middle of the equation. Religion is annoying. With a capital A and an exclamation point at the end. All right. Now, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into this new covenant. Because again, as we said, how does the Father deal with you now that you've accepted Jesus? He deals with you according to... Y'all, do I have to start over again? Rewind this whole thing. He deals with us how? Okay, we kind of go, I've heard that before. No, there are tons of believers that don't know this. So we've got to get this rooted on the inside of us. How does God view you? How does he deal with you? How is he working with you? Through? Another way you can say it is through Jesus. Through grace? Through Jesus. Come on, y'all. Through grace? Through Jesus. How does the Father, I just messed up, I'm, I'm no good. Through grace? Through Jesus. He's looking to empower you because he sees you victorious. Meanwhile, our mind is in the, I just can't get past this. I'm struggling regularly on this, this sin. I'm just constantly stuck in this sin. God is saying, I've already elevated you out of it. You need to renew my thinking to what grace has accomplished on my behalf so that freedom you can actually walk in. The truth sets men free. Not your wallowing and squalling and, oh God, I'm not good enough. That doesn't set you free. It puts more bondage on you. Come on, this shit needs to be the anthem of the church. I'm free. I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. We're going to start singing the national anthem. I'm free today and free tomorrow. Free on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Just, that's our anthem. I'm free. Joel Housing, put that down. That's, that's my anthem. So now let's talk about this grace. Look at this in Titus chapter 2. I want you to turn there. I want you to see this. Sometimes in your Bible, it's very helpful to see this because the grace of God in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, it says that the grace of God has appeared. How did it appear? Who? Jesus. The grace of God has appeared. And that's what we're celebrating. Jesus came. And now notice it brought salvation to all people. Does that mean everybody is saved? No, it has to be received. Salvation is available for whosoever. Even Hitler on his dying, on his death wish, his last wish, he could have said, I believe in Jesus. And the grace of God would have swallowed him up. I can't fathom that. What kind of, what is that? It's, it's love that goes beyond what you can comprehend with this mind. <laughs> now, I'm not saying he's there. I, I have no idea. I'm just giving you an example. But this grace is so deep. But now this grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to everyone. Now, verse 12, it says, it trains. Come on, it trains us. What's training? What's training you? Grace. Jesus is training you. Come on, y'all, what's training you? Grace trains me. Not the law. Okay, every morning I just got to read the Ten Commandments so I know what that says. Okay, do not steal. Okay, don't steal today. I'm going to do my best on that one. No, throughout my day, grace is teaching me. And what is it teaching me? It's te teaching me to reject godless ways. Godless ways. Again, our Christian mind right away goes to, oh, that's bad music. Oh, that's bad movies. Oh, that's bad. That's bad. Godless means without God. 
It's a disregard for God. So grace is going to teach me to stop disregarding God in every decision that I make. We kind of think, oh, that, that movie's R-rated. Yeah, that's godless. It probably is because they're not acknowledging God. But just as much as I'm making a decision to go work at that place because they're going to give me $4 more a raise. And you haven't inquired God. That's godless. Meaning I didn't inquire of him as to what I need to be doing. So what's grace going to do? It's going to train me to reject ignoring God. Right? And worldly desires. And now to live a self-controlled, an upright, and a godly life in this present age. What's going to train me? Y'all, and so many times, what have people done? They've run to the Old Testament to go, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And what do they do? People do, people do, people do, and they fail, and they fail. So instead of constantly running back to this old covenant that does not work, you have to run to this new covenant, and grace is going to say, hey, you don't do that anymore. What do you mean? That's not who you are. In Christ Jesus, you are loved and accepted. You don't need to be acting like that in order to get the approval of men. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And now you become secure in this new covenant of what grace has called you to be. Whoop, whoop, are we okay? Okay. And then verse 13 goes on to say, in this present age, as we wait for the... Y'all, you're going to have to read it a little bit more happy than that. (laughs) For the happy fulfillment. For the happy... Fulfillment of what? Our hope in the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ, our Lord and God. He's going to do this until we see Jesus in the clouds where he's going to call us up. and He's going to catch away the church in these last days. Come on now. Grace is there every step of the way. I don't know how to raise my kids. Grace will teach you. I don't know what to do with this, you know, the insurance company. Grace will teach you. I don't know how to do my banking. Grace will help you. So don't now kind of go, oh, I'm looking for some spiritual sign. No, sometimes the grace of God is very practical. Go to bed early. Oh, I'm just so tired. I just need God to give me strength. And he's telling you, go to bed. And we're waiting for some kind of a poof and some kind of a magic thing to take place. That's not necessarily what it is. Grace will teach you how to take a nap. Stop making that decision. And we keep running to the same thing over and over again. Anybody ever seen those memes where it's like they got the, the sheep farmers and they got a sheep stuck in some kind of like a, I don't know, a crevice, you know, in the rock in a hard place. And finally the sheep farmer is just yanking on the legs of the sheep, finally gets them out. And the sheep, and all of a sudden, poof, and it goes right back into the same place only 50 feet ahead. People sometimes ask, what's my spirit animal? Can I tell you what it is? We're all, we're sheep. That's how the father relays it. Because a lot of times we just keep going back into the same old, same old. Until now, when are you going to make the change and allowing the grace of God to start who you are in him? Okay. So now grace. Let's talk about this here for a moment. What is grace? And I took this from another minister. I I really admire this gentleman. And I, I just, I really liked his definition. When you hear about grace, what do you hear? What is grace? Love. Um, anything else? 
Mercy. Anything else? Unmerited favor. Somebody got an Amplified Bible. It's, there's, they give you kind of a bit of an idea. It's unearned. You don't deserve it. It's just the kindness of God on display. All of that, wonderful. I want to give you this definition of what this, this gentleman said because it just kind of wrapped it up. And I want to break this down because we got to get it. When he, 39, it talks about it is good that your heart be established in grace. We have to get so rooted in this until it becomes the way that we live. Because what we've done in the church is we've perfected how to do church, but we don't know how to live. What do we do when people are mean to us? What do we do all of a sudden they want to turn the lights out? What do we do when babies act ugly? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And instead we come to church and we, woo, yeah, glory to God. I can do all things through Christ. And meanwhile, Monday, you're a mess. You don't know how to properly live. And you constantly go back to the law going, I I just got to be a better person, I guess. And we're stuck as believers in this, how do I do this Christian life when nothing makes sense? Lord, can you do something for me? This is what we're talking about, is to get rooted and grounded in what grace is so that we can start operating from this place and start calling it into our lives. Because if God just gave you all these promises, never to see it fulfilled and just wait till heaven one day, that would it'd be great, but also kind of a little bit, something's missing. So instead, Romans 12, 3 says that he's actually given you the measure of faith so you can use this and tap into the grace of God today in 2023. Am I moving too fast or are we okay? Okay, wife says I'm moving not too fast. So here we go. Here's the definition. Grace. You guys can hit click for me. Grace is the unmerited, abounding provision of the unrestrained operation of God's infinite love through Jesus Christ on behalf of men, especially those who depend on him. Can we read this together? So people ask, what is grace? Grace, the unmerited, abounding provision, the unrestrained operation of God's infinite Love through Jesus Christ on behalf of men, especially those who depend on him. Another way of saying it, I mean, that's, we're going to break that down, but grace is the providence of God. Providence. What is God's providence? It's simply this. Whatever God creates, he also takes care of. Right? We don't have some kind of absent God who you know, created this thing, but is not going to fulfill it or, or help the, to completion. An example would be our, um, the plant system. We got plants. God created all the plants, all the flowers. So what now does he need to provide so that those plow, flowers can exist? He created my mom. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, my mom has got a garden. It's crazy. And whenever she leaves, I, I miss like deep <coughs> Because I have to water her plants. And it takes forever. Happy to do it. She birthed me, so I'm happy to do it. And at the same time, yes, apart from Ingrid housing, what else has God done? He has created the sun. He created the soil. And he created the rain. All of those elements is what keeps the flowers, the plant life, strong. It keeps them healthy. And it keeps them growing. Well, grace is the same way. Grace is the providence of God 
for everything that mankind lost in the Garden of Eden. The fellowship with God, everything from a spiritual perspective, everything we lost, our standing with God, our relationship, and everything that stems from it. You could talk about healing, the blessing of God, and the reason people kind of check out when they hear spirit, because they go, well, spirit's so far out. No, that's where everything began. Again, you're a spirit being. All the blessings of God first originated in the spirit realm, and now we see it in cash, or we see it in things. Clothes that you have on your body, right? So God has given his grace to take care of every need you would ever have while you breathed on this planet from the very beginning to the very end until he wraps this whole thing up, burns it with fire, and creates a brand new one. Grace is going to take care of it. So if you're concerned about the plant dying in the next three years, let me comfort you. Grace would never allow it. Grace isn't going, oh man, that countdown is looking pretty hot right about now. Ooh, yeah, she's heating up. Don't worry about it. Global warming, global on ball of, it's going to be on fire, this thing. Grace will take care of this whole thing until it's all wrapped up. Okay? The world can panic all day long. Don't participate in that. Why? Because I've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness. I've been placed in the kingdom of God's dear son. I'm under his care. So if God created, did God create you? We say that all the time. God created me. Don't you think he'll take care of you? Because Jesus said in Matthew 6, he said, why, why are you so fearful of all these things? Where is your faith? So the reason why we see a lot of need in our earth, I mean, of course, there's the love of money, which is the root of all evil. Of course, you got evil people. But when it comes down to all of it, because an evil person is going to make bad decisions that's going to try to hurt me, is my God limited because of their poor choices? No, he'll find a way. He fed Elijah with birds. If he's got to bring the Canadian geese back here to feed Joel, he'll feed them in January. All of a sudden, these birds are honk, honk, honk. Hey, what are we doing up here? I don't know, but God told us to come. Honk, honk, honk. We're going to just drop off some food at the housing residence. He'll do it. Come on, if he did it before, he'll do it again. If he took care of Elijah by a stream, he'll take care of Joel by Red Deer River. Do you have that mindset? Ah, grace will help you get there. <laughs> Poor Canadian geese. They're going to be flying up here real quick. Now, the greatest provision that we've ever seen from God is found in this scripture right here, Romans chapter 8, verse 32. It says, Since he, talking about God, God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all. Oh, God did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us all, won't he also give you everything else? Absolutely he would. So what is that showing me? Is that God, because he gave Jesus, God is not holding anything back from you. You didn't even deserve Jesus when he came. And so if he gave you the greatest gift of all, surely he's able to take care of rent. Come on, y'all, we got to get gritty on this. This is a covenant-making God. So if you kind of go, well, I know you say, but I sure haven't seen it. No, I take you at your word. If you said it, I believe it. we got to start acting like this is so. 
he did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for me? Oh, so won't he also give me everything else? The answer is yes, yes, a thousand times yes. All the promises of God are yes and amen. Come on, y'all. This is a wake-up call. This is like the dinner bell. You hear this verse, it should go ding, 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 ding. Lord, I just need some peace in my home. He gave you Jesus. So is he withholding peace and joy from you? No, he gave it to you. So what is all this doing? It's changing the way we think. All right. Now, grace is the operation of God's love to us who believe in Jesus. You think about this. God's love in action is what grace is. It's his action. So I want, I'm going to read a couple of verses to us. And again, the reason why we got to hit some of these verses is because you got to feed your soul. you got to feed your mind with these verses. Get it so implanted on the inside of you that when the world is screaming, ah, chaos, loss, lack, we're not going to have enough water. We're not going to have enough food. We're not going to have enough. <sighs> My God, he did not spare his own son. I got Jesus out of this. He can get me a loaf of bread. The world loves gossip. They love drama. They love blah, 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 blah. They love it. Don't participate in it. Why? Because my faith is in what he said. Okay, now look at these, some of these verses real quick here. So the first slice of this seven-piece pie that we're about to inhale, we're probably not going to finish it today, but piece number one. Anybody handle one piece of pie today? Okay, we're going to go into one piece of pie. And this pie, this first slice is, grace is the operation of God's love. So if this grace pie, we're just cutting the first slice, this is it. Grace is the operation of God's love. Now I want you to look at these verses. We're going to read them. John three sixteen. For this is how God loved the world. Now what? We're looking for his operation. Okay? God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Like, Don't, don't read over that too quick. The operation. I love you. I love you, I love you. So I'm going to give you my son so that you don't have to die. I mean, you think about it. What's, which one are you going to give up? Which kid are you going to give up? And he said, I'm going to give you my one. <laughs> and he said, you believe on me, you will not perish. <sighs> There's the love. And it's not just talked about. It's now in operation. Here's my son. Okay, first one. Second one, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9. I mean, if you think about it, just John 3, 16. He died for his enemies. You don't even talk to yours. He died for his. <laughs> so we're talking about this love. Again, remember we're talking about, Lord, build in us this, the, the, how uh, the heaven operates. The culture of heaven. What is it? It is love. It is beyond what you think love is. It is quadrillion, bajillion, bajillion. Time's bigger than that. Julian, that's a new number. It goes so beyond that to the point of, I love this world. That's my enemy so much that I'm going to give them the most precious thing I have, Jesus. 
And when they call on that name, I'm not gonna, they're not going to go to hell. They're going to come and be with me for eternity. Wow. Now that love resides on the inside of me. So again, we're talking about this not just to go, well, that was good information. It's to get on the inside of us because when you see the Father's love towards me, I can now turn that towards you. <laughs> Are we okay? I don't really want to love anybody like that. Well, maybe you don't want to listen to the rest of the service. <laughs> Hebrews 2.9. It says, We see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor, because he suffered death. Now notice, here's the operation. So that by God's, what? Grace. What's his grace? It's his unmerited favor. It's the unrestrained love of God towards you. So that by God's grace, Jesus would experience death on behalf of everyone. You have done all the dying you will ever need to do. You know, when the Bible talks about a, like a, a believer going home, First Peter talks about entering, it's a grand entrance for them. So what happens, it's like death is just like this hole, and what Jesus did, Jesus tasted it physically, mentally, but more, more graphic is the spiritual aspect. Yeah, the holes and the nails and the whips, absolutely, that's horrendous and horrible. But even more horrific than all of that was the eternal separation, dying spiritually, that Jesus had to do. Well, I don't believe Jesus did. Well, if you don't, there's no way that you can get to him. He had to become what you were. So he took all of that on, and now he went and labored and died in that death. Three days later, he took it and said, I got the keys of death. Come on, y'all. This is where we shout now. He's got them. And now he says, now here you go, church. You have the authority. So now when a believer dies, they don't experience this death. What is it? They have now stepped into a grand entrance. It's like, here's death. And they just simply went, huh, that was easy. And just walk on into glory. Never having to experience it. Why? Because Jesus tasted it for every man. Now, if you don't accept this grace, if you don't accept this Jesus, those that have not will have to taste this death for eternity. And what a horrific thing that would be. So that's why, church, we got to boldly proclaim this is the freedom that we have. This is the freedom he came. This is the operation of the grace of God is I love you too much. Here's my son. He's going to taste death on your behalf. Next, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. I got two more. Ephesians 1, 4 says, Even before he made the world, God loved me. Come on, say it. God loved me. And what did he do because of this love? What's the operation of this love? It doesn't just stop saying, well, you know, before the foundation of the world, God loved me. Oh, he goes on and he says, and he chose me in Christ. Come on, say it. I'm chosen. No, again, I'm chosen. When have I been chosen? Before he made the world. Not only did he chose me, but then he made me to be holy, and in his eyes, I have no fault. What's the love? Here's the love. But the operation is, I love you, I'm cho choosing you, and I'm looking at you without a single fault in my eyes. Listen, this will change the way you pray. This changed the way that you walk about your daily life. This changes the way you walk into church. Standing in worship, my arms are kind of folded. Are you kidding me? 
I'm chosen. I'm called. He looks at me with no fault. That is a reason to praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. I can't stay quiet. My God is alive. Listen, church, this has to become reality. Otherwise, this is another just dry religion. But let these words sink deeply on the inside of you. Get your mind rooted in these things. Allow your heart to start speaking rather than, well, it's a little hot in the room right now, so I don't really know if I want to sweat too much. Sweat. Get ugly for Jesus. Do it. We bought this building so we could get ugly for him. All right. Thank you. Last verse. Somebody like, move it on. All right, I'm moving along. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7. <laughs> I love this verse. So God can point to us in all future ages. And I love this. God's going to make an example out of me. In the most amazing way. An example of the incredible wealth of his grace and his kindness towards us. As shown in all that he's done for us who are united in Christ Jesus. Listen, y'all, there's going to be a day. There is coming a day in your future when the father's going to say, hey, Joe, Pete, Susie, come here for a sec. I want to show future creation that he's going to make. I want to show all these guys what I did for you because you accepted my son, Jesus. And you're going to stand there right beside the father and people are going to go, wow. Look at this glory, Lord, that you've crowned him with. Look at this, look at this position that you've elevated him to. Just before this, Ephesians 2, 6 says that he actually raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You, they're going to be looking at you and going, you, you, get, to sit with, you get to sit with King Jesus? I, I sure do. Well, how, how did you get that? Nothing. He just loves me. Wow. What a God. What a dad. Yeah, I get to serve this dad for eternity. Are you kidding me? Let these verses get on the inside of you. Did I earn any of this? No. Grace, and it's just simply all I did was Jesus, yes. I want you. I want your lordship. I want you to lead me. I want you to be my God. I want you to be my king. And by simply acknowledging his lordship, Acknowledging his sacrifice, confessing his blood that has totally purified me inside and out. The Father is going to point to me. Me. Who is Joel? What are, like, honestly, if you think about it, what is flesh? The Bible says you are just a puff in the sky. You're like, I mean, I tell this to my kids, it's your, your life is but a fart child. You're here. You make your mark and you reach as many people as you can with it. And then guess what? That's it. The angels in Psalm chapter 8 says, what is man? That you're even looking at him? Like, look at all the glory. Look at all this stuff. Like, church, we have gotten so used to what we just see and kind of going, well, this is just what it is. This is the fall. What Adam and Eve saw on a regular basis was the glory of God. The angels singing of all creation of the goodness of God. And they lost it by their choice. But Jesus brought it back. 
So stop limiting your vision. Some of you are just seeing just what's in front of you. And this is what it is. And this is my marriage. And this is my family. And this is all as good as it gets. Can I encourage you? Lift your eyes, child. Lift them up. Because in all the future ages, you have a God that is going to point at you and say, look at the love I have for him. Look at the love I have for her. I'd give him Jesus. I'd give him all of this stuff to let them know I'm in love with you. So church, that's why the Bible is so clear is you got to see this love. You got to see it until it gets on the inside of you that I can't be quiet. My God is alive. This is what this is all about. And God just wants to love you so deep. And sometimes we limit him. How do you break the limits off of God? I believe the love he has for me. Let that be the way you talk all throughout this week. Oh, I'm going through this, but my God loves me. He gave me Jesus, so he'll take care of this situation here for me. Well, that has to be the thing that we talk about more than anything else is, I am loved, I am loved, I am loved. Because I'll even tell this marriage is when you start seeing how much God loves you, it'll fix your marriage. Oh, I just need eight steps to this. Listen, God's got a one-step program, and it's I love the hell out of you. We try to educate the hell out of people. We try to teach the hell out of people. We try to do a bunch of different things to try to get the hell out of people. But listen, the love of God is God's one-step program. I'm going to love the hell right out of you. And you sit there and allow God's love just to come all over you. go, my life is yours. I belongs to you. Amen. Let's all stand up together. I'm done.